Tell your neighbor, ask your neighbor, are you ready to dream? Ask your neighbor, are you ready to dream? We gotta be ready for what God has in store for us today. We're starting a brand new series, Dream On. And as we start the series, let me ask a question, show of hands. How many here would say that when you sleep, um, you dream on a consistent basis? Raise your hand. When you sleep, you dream on a consistent basis. All right, yeah, quite a few of us. How many here, when you sleep, you rarely, if ever, dream? Not at all. You don't remember them, you don't know, yeah. So there's always some in everyone. I, I'm more of the first camp. Like, when I dream, it's, I, I dream almost every night. And uh, I, I, I actually prayed about like sharing with you some of the things I dream about, but honestly, they're so freaky weird that I'm afraid that you would never come back to this church. So I'm not doing that. But like, there's one thing about dreaming I've never understood, and maybe you have the same issue. When I dream, and it's a bad dream, I guess a nightmare you'd say, when they're bad, like if I'm in the cornfield getting chased by the serial killer, I wake up and I'm freaked out and I'm just sweating. And then all of a sudden I fall back asleep and the dream continues. And I'm like, why would, and it keeps happening. But yet when I have the great dream, the dream where I'm the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and I'm going back and I throw the, I'm throwing the winning pass and it's in the air and I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta go back to sleep. I, I go back to sleep and I wake up in the cornfield with the killer. I'm like, come on, it's, why? Well, so I, I did some research because I don't understand a lot about my dreams and maybe you don't either, but I wanna help us this morning. So I went to Google, so you know everything I'm about to share is 100% probably true. So, um, so Google says it's impossible to dream when you're snoring. So that's what it says. So if you, I mean, if you're not dreaming much, maybe strap a CPAP machine to your head and see if that helps. So it says, it says the colder your house is, the worse your dreams are. See, and maybe, but... It, with our house, though, I mean, the colder my house is, the worse my reality is, because my wife Jody doesn't like it cold. And soon, winter is coming, and she'll be standing by the thermometer, just cranking it up. She'll be wearing a, a t-shirt and shorts, and just, you know, I'm like, Jody, there's 14 blankets right here. Can we just kind of, no, we're going to heat the entire house, heat the neighbor's house. We don't care. It's just, it's what we do. So, men and women dream differently. It says men, men dream Dreams tend to be more aggressive and have physical, be phys have physical activity. Women's dreams contain more conversation. Now that's shocking, isn't it? I mean, I, I read that, I'm like, really? So it's kind of just like when we're not dreaming. But the, the one that hit me the most out of all these stats is this last one. It says 95% of your dream is lost in the very first minute that you wake up. It's gone. And it's to this that I want to speak. Because I believe that in life, when we wake up in life, when we get slapped in the face in life, when reality hits us, when we don't want it to hit us, we, 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 we lose the dream. Some of you, you've lost the dream, right? The, the way that your life looks today is like, I didn't, it wasn't supposed to look like this. Like, it wasn't supposed to be like this. I wasn't supposed to be in this situation. That wasn't supposed to happen. And you've lost the dream, or worse yet, you've lost the ability to even dream again. And this is what we're talking about in the series, Dream On. See, in our life, and, I've, and this has happened to me too, but we have areas that we've just settled. Like, this is as good as it's going to get. Like, in my family, this is, this is the way we are. In my job, I, I thought I'd be doing something else, but you know what? I'm content. And, and, and this happens. I mean, I was, I, I saw it firsthand. I was at a drive-thru. This is a few months ago now, but I'm going through a drive-thru. And I get to the window, and there's a middle-aged guy working at this drive-thru, and he, I mean, he looked like he wanted to be 
anywhere in the world except where he was. So I thought, okay, this is an opportunity for me to just speak some life into him and maybe encourage him. So I pull up and I said, hey, man, I appreciate what you're doing. I said, how's it going? And he looks at me and he goes, living the dream. <laughs> and I was like, dude, if that's, I don't want nothing to do with that dream that you're living because it was bad. But living the dream, it was no dream. It was a nightmare. And I thought to myself, this is so many people. Maybe you can relate to that or laugh at that because you're like, I've been there or I am there. And God today wants you to take, he wants to take you to a different place. Today, God wants to put a dream back in your heart and in your life and in your relationships and in your school and in your family and in your heart. This is what God wants to do. What if instead of like that guy said, live in the dream, what if somebody came up to him or you and said, hey, how are you doing today? And you're like, I'm living the dream, man. I'm like literally living my dream. Like my life isn't perfect. I got problems. I got issues. Everything's not all together, but I'm literally living my purpose. Like I'm doing what God created me to do. I'm being who God created me to be. What if you could say that? What if that guy at that drive-thru could say, this is what I'm doing. This is what this series is about. Dream on that God is going to put a dream back in you and me. That God is going to show us how we can dream again, how we can live again, how we can love again. This is what I want to speak. And, and there's the scripture that I'm going to bring you to because what I'm going to do in this series for a lot of the messages, we're going to look at dreams in the Bible. We're going to look at dreams that people have had in the Bible and how God would use a dream, literally a dream, to put hope and life back in their lives. The story I want to talk about is a guy named Jacob. If you brought a Bible or a mobile device, you can go to the beginning, baby. Go to Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. So Genesis, that's the first book of the Bible. Genesis, that word literally means origin or beginning, which is why the book is called Genesis. And this is literally the beginning. You know, Adam and Eve, the first man and woman in the world. Okay, remember, then, then Noah came. He built an ark, okay? And then after Noah... Abraham showed up on the scene. Now, Abraham, he's like called the father of faith. And Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a couple twin boys named Jacob and Esau. Okay? Now, Esau was kind of screwed from the start because his name is Esau. I'm just saying, he didn't have a chance. And you're going to see it goes from bad to worse for him. But even for Jacob. So Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn, came out first, then Jacob. And let, let me, let me kind of set up um, Genesis 28 for you. Isaac, Abraham's gone now. Abraham's dead. Isaac is now old. Isaac's pretty much blind. He's close to death himself. And Esau and Jacob are, are, are grown men now. And, and Esau's the, the hunter, the gatherer. He's the outdoorsman. Jacob's more the homeboy. Stays home with mama, kind of a mama's boy. And uh, here's what happened as I set this up. Esau's out hunting in the field like he liked to do. Jacob is home with Rebecca, his mom. And Isaac is, he's getting close to dying. So normally what the dad would do is he would give the final covenant blessing, family blessing, on the, to the oldest son. So Esau's gone, and this, this story I'm about to share, this shows you that we, humankind, like we think the world's messed up now, and it is, but it's been jacked up for a long time. This story, it could be like days of our lives 2,000 years ago. It's crazy. Check this out. Esau's gone. Mom and Jacob are home. Mom's like, Jacob, go in there. You're going to steal your dad's blessing. He's like, what, Mom? What do you mean? You're going to pretend you're Esau. You're going to go in there, and, and, and Isaac, your dad, he's going to give you the blessing because Rebecca wanted Jacob to have it because that was her favorite. You know, the youngest kid's always the favorite. I mean, and that's the way it should be. But anyway, I digress. So um, Jacob says, Mom, this isn't going to work. I mean, I don't, 
dad's, he's not completely blind. He's going to know. She's like, well, here's what we're going to do. Go put on Esau's clothes. So, so Jacob puts on Esau's clothes. That way he kind of looks like him and he smells like him. And she says, uh, he's like, mom, but even when dad touches me to bless me, he's going to feel my smooth skin and I'm not all hairy. Esau must have been, Esau must have been like a little like Chewbacca type guy because he must have been hairy. You'll see what they did. It was weird. So she's like, I got an idea. Go get a couple goats. We'll kill them. And we're going to take the goat skin and literally put it, strap it to your arms and around your neck. Okay. That's not normal. But this is what they're doing. This is what they agree to do. So here, can you imagine Jacob walking in, goatskin tied to him, around his neck, on his arms, to go in there to get the blessing of his dad? Do you know what's even crazier? It worked. It worked. He went in there. He's tricked his dad. His dad thought it was Esau. He said, you smell like Esau. You feel like Esau. And he said, I'm going to bless you. And he blesses Jacob, gives him the covenant blessing, and it's done. Esau gets home later. Jacob has now taken off his, co his Halloween costume. You know, he's, that's gone. And Esau goes in to get his blessing. And dad's like, I already gave you the blessing. And Esau's like, no, dad, you haven't given me nothing. And then, then Esau understands. Jacob has stolen the blessing. And Esau is ticked. And Esau is so upset at Jacob, his brother, that he wants to murder him. Literally, he wants to kill him. He wants to kill him. This is where we pick up the story. This is where we pick it up in Genesis 28.10. Jacob is on the run, and he has, to go, he has to get out of there because it's not safe anymore. So in chapter 10, Genesis 28, it says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba. Beersheba. That's, don't, you can't tell me that wasn't a party town. Beersheba, and he traveled to Haran. Okay, so from, from Beersheba to Haran, 400 miles. 400 miles. That is a long ways on foot. That's key. So Jacob is by himself. It says in 11, it says, At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp. He stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. People will ask me, why don't, why don't I like to camp? This is why I don't like to camp, okay? Jacob was camping. It said it right in the Bible, and he's laying on a rock, okay? His, his, his pillow is a rock. This is why I'm just saying but you know what the pillow, here, here's, the, here's the truth about the pillow. That rock that he was using for his head, it was more for protection than it was for comfort. It was, because what we need to understand in, the, in this moment is, Jacob's freaked out. I told you earlier, Jacob, is, this is, he's out of his element. He's by himself. He's most likely getting chased by his brother who wants to kill him. There would be animals around that want to kill him. There would be robbers and thieves that want to steal from him. He was not in a good place. Secondly, I shared with you already that Jacob, he wasn't the outdoorsman. This is not who he is. He's like me. Like our idea of roughing it is going from a five-star to a four-star. I mean, that's who we are. So Jacob is struggling. Jacob is worried. Jacob is, he, it says he lays, lays down to sleep, but he's getting, ready to, he's getting ready to dream. Verse 12 says, as he slept, he dreamed. And Jacob dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down this stairway. Verse 13, it says, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And the Lord said to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac, and the ground, Jacob, that you're lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and to your descendants. Say, that's a promise. That's a promise. That was a promise from God to Jacob. And what we need to understand, 
what, what you may not catch as you read this, what I caught, it was interesting. Remember the last thing Jacob did was deceived his dad. He lied to his dad. He sinned. That's the last thing he did. Now he's on the run. What's the first thing God does? I notice that when God speaks to him in the dream, God doesn't condemn him. God doesn't shame him. God doesn't guilt him. Rather, rather, than, rather than being in trouble for what he did, God like speaks life into him and promise into him. And this is so key that we catch this. See, sometimes, and maybe you're there right now, but we do what we, we know we shouldn't do, and then the guilt and the shame in our life will get us running from God. And, and, and we think that God, he's, he's upset with me. He's ticked off at me. He's not going to forgive me. He knows what I'm doing. I keep doing it, and he wants to condemn me. And God shows us here, he had every right to condemn Jacob for what he did, but he speaks words of promise and life into him. This is what God wants you to know. He's not mad at you. He's not, you might do some things that, 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 that hurt him, but he, but he loves you, and he wants to give you his promises, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done. And in verse 14, he continues with promises. He says to Jacob, your descendants will be as numerous as the dust on the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. Say that's a promise. That's a promise from God. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Say that's a promise. That is a promise from God. What's more, Jacob, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. Say that's a promise. It's another one. While they keep coming, one day I'll bring you back to this land. Say that's a promise. And another promise from God. God's not done. I will, I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. God is a promise maker. Regardless of where you've been in your life, regardless of the sin that you've caused or the destruction that you've done or the people that you've hurt, your God is a promise maker. The same God of Jacob is the God that serves you today and the God that loves you today and the God that wants to, to help you dream again today. He's a promise maker. Believe the dream that God is giving you today. Jacob believed it. He woke up and he stated it. Verse 16, he says, it says, and then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And he says, I wasn't even aware of it. And you might think, that's crazy, Jacob. Like your family, your family is a family of faith and you, you, you've gone like 50 miles and you forgot that God is with you. But how often do we forget it? When we mess up, when we screw up and we can forget, how often on Sunday we get kind of excited for Jesus in this church and I think we should, but how often by Monday we forgot that God is even with us and our problems are overwhelming us and our situation's gone crazy and we, we forgot the promises that we sung about and praised about on Sunday. And God is saying, will you remember? Will you remember that I am with you? Will you remember, and also in this culture, what's also key that you know is, is God, in this culture, it would be common to leave, to leave your home and think that you left your God with you. Back in this day, that would be very common, that they would think when they left home, they left their God. That's another reason that Jacob would say this. But, but listen to what he says as he keeps going. Verse 17, but he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. God revealed himself in this dream to Jacob. God is showing Jacob something that he didn't know. And you know what's crazy? God would appear to Jacob at least five more times in the coming years. 
but, but, but this first dream, this, this dream meeting would set the tone for, for life change. Because from this point forward, Jacob knew. From this night on, Jacob knew that as long as he trusted God, as long as he would walk towards God, God would never leave him. That Jacob had nothing to fear. And the same promise for Jacob is true for you. That when you will trust God, when it's hard, trust God when you're alone. Like trust him when you're grieving, when you're hurting. Trust him when you're discouraged or you're struggling or you're scared. Trust him when you're overwhelmed and you feel like the world is caving in around you. Trust him and know that when you trust him, it may not change what you're going through, but I guarantee it will change how you go through it. It will change that. I promise you. It did for Jacob and it will for you. Let's keep going. Verse 18. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he rested his head on against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. I love that. He turned his pillow into a pillar. And, he's, and, he, and, he, and look what he does here. Then he poured olive oil all over it, and he named the place Bethel, which means house of God. Goes on to say it was previously called Luz. So we're just glad he changed the name for a couple reasons. But, I mean, where are you from, Luz? But Bethel sounds a lot better. Bethel, the house of God. Jacob makes a declaration. And you know what else Jacob did here? Jacob makes a vow. Jacob makes a vow. It says it in verse 20. He says, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, if that's what God says, if he will provide for me food and clothing, if I will return safely to my father's home, then the Lord, then I will certainly, then the Lord will certainly be my God. It almost sounds like Jacob is bargaining with God, doesn't it? Well, if, God, if you're going to do this, and if you're going to do this, then. You ever bargain with God? Don't leave me hanging. I know you have. I mean, I've done it numerous times in my life. Numerous times. I'm like, God, you get me. I mean, one of the biggest times I bargained with God, I was, uh, and don't judge me, okay, because this is before I was walking with Jesus, but I golf with some friends. We get done. We go to the clubhouse, and we drink some beer. So we have some beer and we eat some food and um, I'm getting ready to leave and I live 30 miles away. So I jump in my car and I know you shouldn't be having beer and dri driving, but this is, this is my story. So this is what I was doing. So I'm driving and I get 10 miles away from where I was and I look in the rearview mirror and I see the lights. And you, I mean, whether you're drinking or not, no one wants to see the lights, okay? There's this sinking feeling. But when you've been drinking some beer, it's like, I was like, oh my God. And all of a sudden, I went into religious mode. I'm like, God, it's me. I know I haven't talked to you in like 14 years, but it's me, and we are, we're in this together. Come on, I know it says it somewhere in the Bible, but you're not leaving me right now. God, if you get me through this, if I make it through this, if this cop and me, if this all goes good, man, I'll be with you. I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to talk to you. Man, I'm going to throw you money. I'll throw you a party. I'll be to church. I promised everything, the world. And, uh, and I'm making promises to God, and I'm getting myself psyched. I'm like, yeah, God. And the cop gets up to me and I roll down the window. I'm like, hey, officer, what do I have a taillight out? And he's like, he's, he's like, you're so dumb. Uh, he goes, no, you were speeding, sir. I said, oh, yeah, I was. And he gets my license and my registration. And uh, it's funny. It's, I like how we just, we're just, we're just oblivious. We could be driving 125 miles an hour. Cop says you were speeding. <gasps> I was? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, whatever. So I, he takes my stuff and he's, and he's talking to me. And then he asks the question. He says, you've been drinking? And I was like, oh, 
officer. And I didn't say that because he wasn't dumb. He knew. And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I was back and golf with some friends and had a couple beers. And he said, all right, come back with me. And I'm like, and I'm walking back to his car and I'm like, God, you remember what I talked about? We're good. You know, you, me, tomorrow, we're all good. You know, it's all good. Come on, let's do this. I get in the car and he has me blow in a breathalyzer. So I'm not going to have you raise your hands if you've ever done this, but I bet a few of you have. Um, it's a metals church. I know there's some people out here that have. So I'm in the car and, I, and you try everything to not, I mean, I'm sticking my tongue on the hole. I'm blowing through my nose. I probably look like a mental patient to this guy because I'm trying to beat it, you know. And he's like, so I'm blowing in it. He goes, he goes, keep blowing, keep blowing. And I get done and he holds down the button. And on this little device, it was like green, yellow, and red. So, so green, good. Yellow, it's getting dicey. Red, you're going to jail, okay? So, so he's holding it, and I'm like, you know, I'm praying to God. I'm like, God, we're, we're in this together. It goes to yellow pretty quick. I'm like, God, we're in this together. Uh, please, God, please, God. And he's holding it, and he's holding it, and he's holding it. And I'm thinking to myself, let go of the freaking button because he's just holding it forever. Stop this craziness. I'm like, stop. And he's holding it. And as soon as he lets it go, I'm not, I kid you not, he let it go and it flicked to red and he let it go. And I'm like, you didn't see anything. That did not happen. I didn't say that out loud, but I thought it. And he, he, he didn't see that. And I don't know if that's just a glitch or what happened, but he said, you know what? I'm going to let you go with a warning. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I about, I've never kissed a guy before, but it, it was close that day. So, um, so it was crazy. So I, I, he gave me a warning. I got out of the car, and I'm walking in my car, and I'm like, I wasn't doing that, but I was thinking it. I get in my car, and I'm driving, and I kind of forgot about the promises I made to God. It was, it's kind of weird how that happens, but I'm in my car, and I'm like celebrating to myself, and I'm thinking, yes, and I get like 20 more miles, and I'm three miles out of town now, and I look at my rear mirror, cops again. You think I'm making this stuff up? You can't make it up. I was getting picked up for the second time in like 20 minutes. Different cop. I don't know. They're communicating? I, what are these guys thinking? They're crazy. So I get pulled over again. All of a sudden, I got real religious. I'm like, God, it's me again. We just talked like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, uh, same thing, okay? You got me through this once. You can get me through this again. And I'm praying to God. Cop comes up. Different cop. Different cop. It was a different cop. Same story, though. License, registration. Sir, you've been drinking. And I'm like, you know I have, but whatever. Yes, yes, I have. And he had me do the same thing. I go in his car, breathalyzer. I blow in it. His breathalyzer is a little bit more high-tech. It's got numbers on it. It's not just the, 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 the lights. And at this time, the, the legal was 0.1, not 0.08. If it was 0.08, I probably wouldn't be your pastor today. So anyway, so I blow in it, and he's holding it, and I'm watching the numbers go up, watching them go up, you know, 0 0.07, 0 0.08, 0 0.09, he holds it, but it wouldn't, I knew I was close to from the other one. Holds it, holds it, holds it, lets it go, and he says this to me. He says, how far are you from home? And I said, my gosh, sir, I could throw a rock and hit my house right now. I'm that close. You let me go. And, he, and I couldn't do that, you know, without God's help, of course, but he says, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to follow you into town. And I was three miles from town. I've never driven so slow in my life. I've never white-knuckled a wheel like I've did in my life. I'm like, just, I'm probably driving like four miles an hour. And he's behind me. He follows me into my town. And I, 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 uh, my roommate, he lived in a house. He owned the house, and I lived there. Pulls in, and the cop kind of stops. I pull in, and I kind of wave at the cop. And my roommate's looking out the window, and I get inside. He goes, he goes, did you get picked up? I said, you don't know the half of it. I said, by the way, we're going to church tomorrow, you know? <laughs> Gosh, oh man. But you know what the honest, honest answer is? And that all did happen. That, that is all true, what I just told you. I didn't go to church the next day. I didn't, okay? God got me through it, I think. I don't know if God or whoever did it, but I made it through that. 
And, and I, of course, didn't hold up my end of the bargain. Like, that was pretty typical for me. And maybe that is for you, too. But God is making a promise with Jacob. And Jacob now makes a promise with God. And, and, and what you need to understand, how I got into that, if you forgot, maybe you did. We all, it almost sounds like Jacob is bargaining with God. But that's not what's happening. See, the word if in, this, in the verses, can we put up 20 and 21? I don't know what you have up there right now, but 20 and 21. You can look at the word if. It, it could also be translated as since. Okay? So God, since you promised to protect me, since you promised to look after me, since you promised to take me back to my home, I will follow you. I will worship you. I will give my life. This is what he was saying. He, he was saying, God, I'll give it to you because you promised me this, and I believe it. And understand this. Jacob wasn't changed by the promise that he made to God. He was changed by believing the promises that God made to him. Okay? I'm going to say it again. Jacob wasn't changed by the promise, the vow that he made to God. He was changed by believing the promises that God made to him. Today, God wants you to believe again. He does. God wants you to believe again. Today, God wants you to believe in his provision, to believe in his promises. And some of you are thinking, I know what you're saying, Pastor, but I got problems, and my problems are big. And I would say to you, I got them too. But today, we're going to declare that the promises of God are greater than any problems that we face. And if he got you this far, he will see you through to the end. This is your God not giving up on you. This is your God who pursues you all the days of your life, throwing promises at Jacob, and Jacob's taking him and accepting him. And then we get to the final verse, verse 22. Listen to what Jacob says here. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place of worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. So Jacob his very first response to the promises of God is worship. He says, God, be, uh, all your goodness and all your promises, my first response is worship. And it should be ours too, by the way. Your very first purpose of your life is to worship the Lord your God. It is to love him with all of your heart. Not just on a Sunday at Meadows Church, not just when you're in a cop car, but when you, in any area of your life, you are to worship the Lord your God. And Jacob makes a huge, bold statement. But you know what kills me about this statement? I read it, and I'm like, it doesn't say that Jacob, you know, got down and, and, and immediately worshiped God and prayed to him, or Jacob stood up and sang songs and raised his hands to God. It doesn't say any of that. It says he gave back a tenth to God. And I think to myself, the last thing I would ever give God, I don't know your story, I know mine, my walk with Jesus, when it came to giving back, because what he's talking about here is tithing. Tithing is a principle, people say it's a, a, from the law, and that's way before the law. It dates back to Adam and Eve, and it dates through Jesus and beyond. And I tell people about this, and people had to tell me about it, but I would trust God with everything except my money. Like, God, I'll trust you with my family, I'll trust you with my daughter, I'll trust you with my salvation. But you know what, my cash, I'm just going to keep it right here, if that's cool with you. That's just who I was. It was the last thing I gave up to God. But, but and I think that's, I don't think that's uncommon for people. I just, that's why Jesus probably talked about cash more than anything else, because he knows. He knows. But now that I'm on the other side of it, this is what I want people to know. I want them to know the, the promises that Jacob saw in God, and that he says, God, all you've done for me, and you've given me all of this, I will gladly give you back 10% and more. 
And that's where I am today. And I, I lovingly tell people, like I've said it before, if you never give a dime to God through this church, that will never change the way I love you. It will never change the way I preach to you. It will never change the way I walk with you. But, 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 but what I would lovingly tell you is you will never see the favor of God in that area. You will never see the blessings of God in that area. And he doesn't just bless that area. Jacob, if anybody could withhold from God at this point, the guy's on his own, all by himself, hundreds of miles away from his destination with nobody around. He'd want to keep everything he's got. God, if I'm even going to make it that far, i got to keep it all. That's our mindset in life. God, there's no, I can't even pay the bills. I can't pay the rent, and you want 10%. There's no way. And God says, you'll never be able to unless you trust me. I don't know... It makes me emotional because I look back and I think, why didn't I learn that earlier in life? Why didn't someone teach me that earlier? But thank God, God showed it to me eventually. But I talk to people all the time, and finance is a big deal. People struggle, man, and I, sometimes I do too. But I'm telling you, if you're struggling in that area, and you're struggling in a business or a startup or just paying the rent or paying the electric bill, man, God wants to bless you. And I'm not saying, and Jacob, he blessed Jacob. Jacob was one of the wealthiest men in scriptures. Did you know that? And, and he gave God 10% and more. Wealthiest men in scriptures. And I'm not sitting here preaching, boy, if you give to God, he's gonna rain down money. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking he will rain down blessings. Not just in that area, but every area of your life. And I didn't understand it. And I thought, I want, I, people need to know that the God, and Jacob shows us, I'll give you back. And God even says it. God says, I'm begging you to trust me. Like, it's the only area where God says, test me. Like, test me. God's saying, test me. Put me to the test. So trust me in that area and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great you will not have enough room to take it in. This is what God says. But I get it's hard. And I just tell you, wherever you're at with that, I will walk with you. I will love you. We will wrap around you because it's the last thing I would trust God with. And maybe, that, maybe you can relate to that if you do. Man, there's hope. There is such hope. But it's so interesting that Jacob, the first thing he does is worship with that way. I thought, that's amazing. But, 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 it's, but it's interesting. You think, okay, God, he's doing what God asked him to do. His life should be getting better. Jacob's life didn't get easier. It got harder. Jacob's, Jacob did deceive. Jacob did sin, just like you and I do. And there are consequences. There are consequences for our sin. And to think that we can just hinge on God and say, God, I can just do what I want and I just ask for your blessing and I'm good to go. No, there's still consequences. Jacob, remember how he deceived his dad? Well, Jacob would be deceived by his father-in-law. There's consequences. His life got harder as a shepherd, as a husband, as a father. But you know what got him through? His faith and trust in God. That he never wavered. I won't say he didn't waver, but he knew the promises of God and he kept stepping towards them. And this is what God wants for you. I put down, God gave Jacob a dream. So Jacob would know the promises of God, believe the promises of God, and live the promises of God. Maybe a better way is to participate in the promises of God. And I get it. This is a message about the promises of God and the belief that the dream that he's placed in you and that maybe you forgot about, you, it, it can be resurrected today through the power of Jesus Christ. But, but something I, I know that it doesn't make it easier. Walking with Jesus, you, it doesn't equal easy. It equals abundant. It equals fulfilling. It equals life change. It equals your purpose. It equals your dreams being fulfilled through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it equals. But it's anything but easy. 
Life isn't easy, but I'd rather do it with Jesus than without him. We've had a lot of issues going on, and you probably do too, but just at our church over the last few weeks, people struggling. Some of you, you're wondering how you got to this spot in your life. You didn't plan on getting divorced. You stood at an altar. No one thinks when they stand at the altar, you know what, someday it's going to be over. No, they pretty much think this is going to be forever. But then something happens. You didn't think the kid would get sick like he did or her, but that can happen. You know, you didn't think your, your, your mom or your dad would get cancer, but it happens. You didn't think you'd ever see, go through someone, go through that tragedy, but it happens. I talk about fourth grade, it seems like a lot. That must have been a pivotal year in my life. Ten years old, Catholic grade school, fourth grade. I'll never forget the day. One of my best friends, who's still one of my best friends today, met him in kindergarten. And we, did, we went through Catholic school through eighth grade. We actually went to high school together. We went to college together. And it's kind of weird if I think about it, but whatever. So, but we're good friends. And we still are. When we were 10 years old in the fourth grade, uh, I remember he didn't show up for class for a day. And I thought, oh, he's probably sick. And then the teacher came in. Actually, it was a sister with Sister Valeria came in who was teaching us. And she came in and she said, hey, so-and-so, um, well, back up a second. So my, my friend has a sister who's a year younger. And then he had a sister who was like probably eight years younger. So she's probably two or three at this time. And Sister Valeria came in and described that when my best friend's dad was out um, in the field, he had his daughter with him. You know, three years old. So she's in the tractor in the cab. Well, the cab, she's sitting by the door, and the door came unlatched, and she fell out. Well, tractors don't just stop on a dime. God, I wish they would have, but it didn't. And by the time he stopped it, the wheel was on top of her. So she comes in and tells us what he's going through, and that you hear something like that, and it just, especially when it's someone that you know and someone that you love, and boy, that'll cause you to question if God's promises are even real or if he's even good. Well, they're real and he is good. But life happens. And I remember the, the, the teacher told us, she said, we want to all make cards for him, for our, our friend that was our classmate. So we made cards, and I remember, I'll never forget the card that I made him. I'll never forget it. Um, his three-year-old sister, I had her, and I drew a ladder. Ladder, a stairway, angels going up and down, up and down. And I drew this ladder. And I put his sister on it, and I had heaven up here, and I had hell down here because they're both real. And I drew her climbing as she's reaching the ladder to heaven. And I remember writing, I don't know what he even wrote on there. Don't know, don't even know if I knew any of this scripture, but that's just what I knew. And I folded it, and we, she took them all, and he got them. What I didn't know is a month to the day, 30 days later, my father would die unexpectedly, out of the blue at a young age. So then I'm gone from fourth grade for a day or two, and I'm sure like she did with him, she came in and said, hey, there's been a tragedy in the Gannon household. Let's all make cards. Let's all write cards to Monty and encourage the family. And I'll never forget, I don't remember really any of the cards. I'm sure they all meant a ton at that time, but I remember his, and I opened it up. And there's a ladder. And there's my dad on the ladder. And I look at it, and I remember thinking, and I thought about that this week as I put this message together for you, and it, and it gave me such comfort at the time, and it brought me back to a scripture that's going to bring us back to where we started today in this journey. Jesus Christ, when he first called his disciples, it was, it's pretty amazing. I, man, it, it just, 
If you're not reading the Bible, I encourage you to start. It's, it's so incredible. But Jesus is calling his disciples, and we know he calls Peter and James and John, but there's lesser known disciples that he calls as well. Guys like Philip. He calls Philip. This is in John 1. He's gathering disciples. He tells Philip, and Philip's like, wow, this guy seems awesome. So Philip's excited. So Philip runs and goes to tell Nathaniel. He's like, Nathaniel. He goes to find Nathaniel under a tree. He says, Nathaniel, you've got to come meet this guy. He's different. I don't even know him that well, but there's something about him. So Nathaniel gets up out of the tree, or from underneath the tree, and as Nathaniel's walking up to Jesus, Jesus says, now there's a man of integrity. And he points at Nathaniel. And Nathaniel's never met Jesus. And Nathaniel, I love what he says. He says, he says, how, did you, how do you know about me? And Jesus says, I saw you before Philip even found you underneath the tree. And then Jesus goes on to say, check this out. You will see even greater things than this. And then the next verse, the last verse in chapter one of John, Jesus is speaking. Then he said to the disciples that were with him, including Nathaniel and Philip and the others, I tell you the truth because he is the truth. You will see all of heaven open up and the angels of God going up and down the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus Christ is the ladder between heaven and earth. And I think back of that card that I made for my friend and the card that my friend made for me. And if I could recapture it in my mind like I am right now, you know what I see? I see his sister hoisted up on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, the ladder, the Son of Man. That, that, that is the only way to ever get to God is through the Son. And I see his sister up on Jesus going up into glory where she's at today. And we can proclaim that. And then I picture my dad up on the shoulders of Jesus who is the ladder between, between earth and heaven. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ that Jesus would say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And anyone who comes to the Father must go through me. This is what he says. And, Jesus, and he wants you to know that for you to live out a dream, the only real dream worth living out is one where Jesus is the center of it. And if Jesus is not your ladder, if he is not the center of who you are, this is why God brought you here today. This is what God wants you to know, that today you can literally surrender your life and say, I believe in this Jesus, that he died a horrible criminal death that he didn't deserve for me. The Bible says he did that to take away our sins to cast them, to remember them no more. And that he would rise three days later. This is not a fable. This is not some tale. This is true. The guy rose from the dead, defeated sin, defeated death, so that you might live out your dream on earth and in heaven. That's why we say it in the Lord's Prayer. On earth as it is in heaven. You, can, you don't have to wait for heaven to start living a life of purpose, living out your dream that God put in your heart. So if you're here today and you don't have that, and you're, maybe you got off track, or maybe you've never been on track. Maybe like me, you believed there's a, there's a Jesus, but you've never surrendered to him. You've never asked him to live in you so you could live for him. This is your day. This is what God wants you to do. And I, I want to close the message with more promises because he's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. I don't even know if I got to that. I probably skipped that slide, but you need to know that. He is a promise maker, and he is a promise keeper. And the only time that God's promises are not fulfilled is when we don't step into them. It's when we don't do our part. God's always done his. Through scripture, he's never reneged on one promise that he's ever gave. And you're like, gosh, there's more promises? Thousands of them. 
And if you, if you embrace them and you own them and you believe them, they will drastically change your life. Not for the easier, not for the comfortable, but for your calling and for your dream. Jesus didn't die for easy, he died to set you free. I put down Jacob faced dream killers, fear. I wonder if anybody's fearful in this place or last night as you laid in bed. Lonely, I wonder if there's anybody lonely in here today, I bet there are. Tired, scared, anxious, worried. If any of those resonate with you, God's got some promises for you as we close. They resonated with Jacob. Every one of those things Jacob felt on his journey to Haran. And God would show him promises that would change his life. I'll close with promises that I hope will change yours. In Deuteronomy 31.8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Did you hear that? He will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you or abandon you. Own that promise. Joshua 1.5 No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you and I will not abandon you. 1 Samuel 12.22 The Lord will not abandon His people. I'm catching a theme here. Because, the, the, because that would dishonor His great name. For it pleases the Lord to make you his very own people. First Chronicles 28, 20, David's speaking here. He says, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5, be content with all that you have because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and know this that I will be with you always even until the end of the age your God is with you your God is for you and your God wants you to live out the dream he has placed in you he's in this place I want to pray for you and invite the team up your job today is to respond to the promises of God I can't tell you what to do other than be obedient to whatever he's telling you to do. If you do that, dreams will happen. If you, do, if you believe the dream, it starts with believing. Jesus says it starts, you gotta, you gotta start by believing in Jesus. Believe it, step towards it, and God will rock your world. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your spirit in this place today. For the promises that you bestow on us, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because it's your plan. You loved us from the beginning and your love never wavers. God, I pray for everybody in this place who have felt like they've lost the dream. They've lost passion. They've lost desire. God, that you are filling them as we pray, filling them as you speak. And God, that they are going to respond to you in a miraculous way. And you are going to start to, you are going to, start to set them free. God, for anybody that needs to surrender their life to Jesus Christ today and be made new in Him, because there is no dream apart from Him. There is no hope apart from Him. God, I pray that they'll be obedient and do what you're calling them to do and that they will not leave this place until they pray with somebody and talk to somebody. For anybody in this place that needs prayer or love or encouragement or hope, let them not leave here until they talk to somebody. Let somebody love them and pray with them. God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for the dream that you're placing in our heart. We thank you that in you, God, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen.
Hey, wherever you are, thanks so much for joining us today. We are so glad that you did. And if this blessed you in any way, man, we would love for you to subscribe to this channel, follow us on social media, and stay connected with us. And let me say most importantly, if you are ready to give your life to Christ or you want to make a decision for Jesus today, we would love it, man. Connect with us. Contact us at hello at meadows.church. Again, hello at meadows.church. Let us know what God is doing in your life. And know this, God loves you and the best is truly yet to come.